Lois, the New Adventures podcast, where we talk all about the upcoming CW show, Superman and Lois. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. Today, we're going to be getting into the Crisis on Infinite Earths, the final two parts of Crisis on Infinite Earths, featuring cameos from Bitsy Tolick and Tyler Hecklin. And before that, we've got some reviews. So just last week, we talked about the schedule for what the next year could look like for Superman and Lois in terms of development timeline and all of that. And it has been changed up in a really good way because the CW has officially ordered Superman and Lois two series for the 2020-2021 TV season. So this is different from usual. Normally, like we talked about, you get a pilot order around January. Everything goes well. You film the pilot in March. And in May, you find out if the show is ordered to series. Well, they're just skipping that. They're obviously going to still do the pilot and everything like that. But rather than waiting, they're going right away, going straight to series. So this is really good news. And Superman and Lois are officially coming to the CW in next TV season. Yeah, this is really awesome. It makes our, our last episode kind of uh, not meaningless, but most of it is wrong. And that's perfectly fine because like you said, this is just about best case scenario. This means, or it seems like it means that they're very confident in the show and that people are going to like it if they're already ordering it to series before anybody has really seen a pilot, I think. Um, but it does, it's not super surprising because Tyler Hecklin, more than in any other character, has probably been introduced um, on the other shows before they got to see him in a pilot. So he's he does have some experience and uh, a good amount of footage that people can check out to, to be confident about. Well, that about. timeline episode is still mostly good, I think, uh, because everything else will still be the same. It's just the pilot order and seeing the formality, if you will, yeah. of getting ordered to series are gone. So we still are expecting them to begin filming in March still we'll likely see our first trailer and maybe find out when we are what day it will air in may and all that is likely to continue but yeah this is really exciting news if you're looking forward to superman and lois obviously you don't have to worry is it going to get picked up or is it a smart move by the cw because they kind of know what they're getting or at least have a good idea this is all people they've worked with before they've seen tyler hecklin as superman and know that there is a fan base there they've seen bitsy tolick as lois lane now a couple of times and know there's a fan base there and they've seen them together and they know that they know that the chemistry between the leads is there and they also the showrunner is Todd Helbing who worked for five years on The Flash so people they're familiar with they're comfortable with and also it's Superman <laughs> just saying it's Superman they've the yeah. CW hasn't always had a chance to do a Superman TV series and if they wait till next year Warner Brothers might have changed their mind and say no we don't want Superman on TV anymore or something like that you never know when Warner Brothers executives are going to change their mind so is it smart for the CW to jump at this chance? Likely means that the pilot script came in good and strong. I mean, I think the only way they wouldn't do this is if the pilot script just came in terrible. So that's good. That's encouraging. And it does give Superman and Lois a bit of a head start planning out their season, planning out staff and all of that. So like what the Hollywood Reporter article pointed out in this is that the first episodes will still be filmed in spring. And they said episodes. And I don't know if that is referring to Superman and Lois and walker the walker texas ranger reboot that was also picked up that they mentioned in this article or if they're saying the first episodes of superman and lois meaning they'll film more than just the pilot because normally they film the pilot in march and then pick up the rest of the series in july i don't know if they're going to film multiple episodes and try to get ahead of things there is speculation for a potential writer strike in may the contract runs up we don't know if that'll happen but if it does it allows at least to get a few months head start ahead of those things yeah if if that does happen like you said this um they have a chance to get a few episodes in the can, maybe uh, ready and prepped for uh, maybe that happening. 
Um, but yeah, if it, it has already been ordered to series, it, it might make sense to to film a couple episodes while you've got everybody around. Maybe you even you could convince some of the normally you kind of stack a lot of talent into the, the pilot to try to make it really stand out and make people want to, to order it or make it um, give you confidence. So maybe you can convince some of that talent to stick around and film. the Yeah. First and, few and they're episodes. also even if they don't film, they'll. I'm not saying a writer's strike is likely. I think normally deals get done at the last minute and they figure things out with the exception being the 2007, 2008 writer's strike, which went on for months and affected a lot of shows, but there'll be writers able to get scripts in the next few months. And like the article also mentions, this gives Superman and Lois a heads up on all the other shows, you know, the shows that have to wait till May to see if they're getting ordered to series. This gives them a head start on potentially hiring the writers, getting first dibs at cast before they're signed on to other projects, anybody out there, you know, scheduling directors and all of that, they can get that set up earlier, four months earlier than if we waited till May to find out a potential pickup. Yeah. And I I hope too that this translates into knowing that they have a a season of episodes coming, this translates into having a lot of time to plan out a big overarching story for the whole first season. And so hopefully we get that, that, um, that payoff when the first season actually airs of, of seeing nice a, a big well thought out story yeah and I, uh, this also won't the whole season hopefully this means i don't think this will change the pilot at all but it means they don't have to force anything into the pilot sometimes pilots they always have that huge hook moment and i'm sure there'll be something in the pilot here whatever it is but there's always a huge hook moment because you got to get the attention of the network and everything like oh this is a crazy moment that we need to pilot and it will get people excited about the first episode and get executives excited about picking it up, seeing where things go. So they don't necessarily have to force anything into the first episode, anything major or shocking or just a twist just for a twist's sake. Um, again, the script is already done likely and I don't think it'll affect any of that, but it's something to note. Yeah. And there probably will still be something because even though this has been ordered and you know they don't have to convince the executives, they still want to they're going to get more people to watch the pilot than any other episode that first season. And they want to get the most people to stay on after that. So there will still be, it'll still be a pilot in a pretty traditional sense mm-hmm. of training yeah, convince people to I'm watch still the show. I'm still hoping for a, a two power, two part, mm-hmm. two hour pilot. I think those are always pretty yeah. cool and work better and allow you to not have to rush through whatever you're trying to get done. The stories in the first 42 minutes and, and all the things you're trying to set up to the series. I don't, you know, there's been no inclination that they will do that, but I would be all for that. So this will give the CW, Me too. considering all the other shows, except for Arrow, which is in its final season, they renewed all of their other shows for next year. That means six DC shows on the CW. Green Arrow and the Canaries is another potential backdoor pilot. Stargirl is going to be on DC Universe first and then air on the CW. So we're looking at anywhere from six to eight DC shows on the CW next season, which is pretty crazy. And um, Superman and Lois will be one of those. Yeah, and it is it is really cool. Like Superman obviously is the biggest superhero of all time. So he is without a doubt the biggest superhero of all of these CW shows. Um so I'm very interested to see how once we get into it, what the ratings are like if this quickly becomes their highest rated show just because it has the most um cachet with the general audience and most more people know this character yeah, than absolutely. any of the other I'm, characters I'm on the CW. How many people turn in because with all those other shows, you could say, Well, Superman's the biggest and and so a lot of people will tune in, but also there's just so much other superhero content out there right now that it's tough for any of them to stand out and get huge ratings. And the CW ratings have dropped significantly in the last few years with the move to digital. So it's kind of tough to keep track of how popular these shows actually are because streaming is so much more important now than the actual 
ratings and we don't get the streaming information, but hopefully, you know, a lot of people tune in and it's very well received. Yeah. I think you mentioned, you even reminded me that the last time we were talking that CW basically only right. mentions streaming now. They don't even right. like try to get you to watch the I, show I on their network hardly. That says, oh, it now <laughs> yeah. airs airing Tuesdays. No, they say it streams Wednesdays, if that's the case. So they really don't care about people watching yeah. live as long as they watch it somehow on the streaming. So yeah, it, it's the show is coming. We have not wasted our time doing this podcast thus far. Anyway, it's actually yeah. for a show that is going to happen and, and everything's official there. No information in terms of per- premiere date. Assumption obviously would be October or number of episodes, but if we look at what they've traditionally done outside of Black Lightning and Legends of Tomorrow, which were mid-season pickups and have had shorter seasons traditionally, 13 or 16 to 18, somewhere in there. If you look at Flash and Arrow and, and Supergirl and even Batwoman, which started last year, they get the initial 13-episode order, and then as long as ratings and streaming are good enough, they get picked up for the back nine and have the full 22-season order. And there's nothing to suggest that the CW wants to keep this a smaller season or anything like that. I'm guessing they would love to have Superman and Lois on screens 22 times a year. Yeah, definitely. And it, it definitely seems like they're going to follow their kind of tried and tested formula that they've used for these other uh Do you have any thoughts on that in terms of the 22 episodes versus, I know a lot of people are more in favor of the shorter stuff, the 13 episodes, or even now you're seeing a lot more eight and 10 episode seasons pop up. Do you have any thoughts on that? It all really comes down to like the stories that you're telling. And if you can tell a really nice, coherent, compelling story for 22 episodes, then I am all for getting as many possible episodes out of a season that I can get. Or if you want to tell two or three compelling stories, as long as, you know, there is some sort of arc and not a lot of filler episodes, that's fine. It seems like it's easier to do that with a shorter season, but it's not impossible with a longer season. But something tells me the the CW shows normally with the 22 episodes, there is like a big bad. There's some there's some story that's going on, but then there's a lot of episodes that, you know, bottle episodes that you can kind of skip if you're just trying to follow along with the storyline. And I have a feeling that this might be like that, but I'm still going to enjoy those. I love the Smallville episodes that don't really progress the main story plot because I love Superman. I love Clark Kent. I love all of that stuff and getting to see more characters. And especially with this show, getting to see maybe some flashbacks or just seeing Superman and Lois as parents, they can tell a lot of episodes that are just progressing, you know, that relationship that is pretty unique in superhero TV shows that would be really interesting to see that don't necessarily need to be progressing some big like threat or yeah there's uh, villain definitely pros and cons to the shorter seasons and the longer seasons uh i do understand people that like the tight tighter 10 to 13 episode seasons i like that for a lot of stuff and think that's better if that's the way they go i wouldn't have any complaints if they go with the longer 22 type episode seasons there's a lot of good things that can come to that from that a lot of people say we'll just cut the show in half double the budget and it'll be a better show and I, I don't know why I always hear that a lot, and to which I say, unless you're going to get double the ratings, the network network's not going to double the budget. So I get that. The but right. 22 episodes, there's a lot you can do with bringing in a lot of characters from Superman's mythology. It is really deep, uh, really deep with a lot of really good, really cool characters. And if this show lasts as many episodes as Smallville, 218, they would still not be able to get to every Superman story. I would love to see adapted into live action because there's just so many out there that I would like to see. So there are a lot of good things. I think one thing, you know, we've talked in the past of maybe rather than one big season long arc, maybe the shorter two or three season things, two or three or four or five shorter arcs where you're talking four to six episodes 
treating those as a separate arc. I know the Flash is experimenting with that a little bit this year. It's been done in the past. Uh, Todd Helwing tried to do that a little bit in the Flash season five um, before some things had to change, but I think there's a lot you can do with that. And even one-off episodes can be great. There's a lot of one-issue comic book series, comic books that I love from Superman's history there. You can tell one great story and maybe it doesn't progress the character or the story, the main story along it significantly, but it, as long as it progresses the characters along, that's great. You know, those early seasons of Smallville, like you referenced, don't always have the big overarching storylines or anything like that, but you see the progression of the characters, the character relationships and all of that. And so as long as you've got that, you can do that really well in longer seasons. Well, I guess we can get into Crisis on Infinite Earths parts four and five. Spoilers for such thing if you have not seen it. Not a lot of Superman and Lois stuff in this to get to. I guess overall, Zach, what are your thoughts on the final two parts and Crisis as a whole? Yeah, so not Superman related. I thought this was a, a pretty decent, nice ending to the, the crossover. Lots of cool stuff. It was it was cool to see, you know, going back and kind of inserting themselves in past crossovers or past episodes and happenings and obviously like bringing Ezra Miller in. That was pretty cool. Was not expecting that. Um, but like Superman related, not a whole lot of stuff to gleam from these last two episodes. Almost like comically absent a lot of times and then just pops in out of nowhere and doesn't really have much to do. And or if when he is brought in is used for comedic relief for a split second and then doesn't really have much to do. So not a whole lot to take from that. So that was kind of disappointing, but not completely unexpected with kind of how the first three episodes wrapped up. It it basically seemed like they said, okay, we're done with the Superman stuff now. Let's let's move on elsewhere. Uh that being said, there's a lot of progression for the Lex character which really, really makes me hope that he's going to be involved in the new Superman show because he's they've made him, set him up as a pretty interesting... Uh, yeah, I have very complicated thoughts, I guess. I'm I'm still sort of processing Crisis on Infinite Earths as a whole and trying to look at it from a few different angles, I think, as, a, as an adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths for the CW the last few, sh- few years, the shows they've had since Arrow. I think it's pretty good. Um, there are... A lot of cool things. I think it's a step up production-wise, just writing, directing, all of that. It's a step up from Elseworlds, and I'd like to see it all five episodes in a row to compare it to something like Crisis on Earth X, see if it's as good there. Um, but I think they did a lot of really cool things, a lot of really fun things. Uh, some of the emotional stuff, I think I think Oliver's story was the real emotional linchpin of Crisis as a whole, and I don't know, I didn't really think that was, I didn't really connect with that very well. Um, it didn't have the emotional impact for me that I think they were going for. And so I think that brings the whole crossover down a little bit, um, having him die. And then we, we see him slowly return and then he kind of dies again. And then he gets several different send offs and funerals and I get it. He's an important character and been a, a key part of this universe and superhero shows in general since Arrow started. But I didn't, I just didn't really connect with all of that. Oliver stuff and it felt like too much to me yeah well I think they made the mistake too they kind of undercut themselves because they like Oliver's sacrifice at the end of the like actual episode of Arrow part four he dies sacrifices himself so that the universe can be reborn and then basically right out of the gate in episode five they come back and say well that didn't really matter the anti-monitor is still here and now we have to team up and beat him without Oliver, so did he really need to do that? Like, did it? I guess he makes the universe get reborn. <laughs> that is important. That's important, but 
it it sort of like cuts out like right so i guess like half of what he did was really good but the rest they still had to clean up his mess kind of which i think they kind of undercut himself undercut that part a little bit if they wanted to make oliver the main star and um yeah hero um, of the it's whole tough crossover. to it's a tough situation because they pointed out he was going to die so long ago that we knew it was going to happen it was just a matter of how and i think they kind of tried to maybe outsmart themselves a little bit uh Term of having him die. I know a lot of people said it was kind of anticlimactic the way he died in the first episode, and I would kind of agree. Now he did save all those people, but with the new Earth being reborn, did he? Because they merged, and so right. I have a lot of questions there in terms of the merging and stuff that they don't really address and probably don't want you to think about. But I'm just curious on the details there that I just kind of wonder how that all works. But yeah, he it was a little anticlimactic his death, and then we dealt a lot with him coming back. He died again. And an undercut because it was just kind of almost like a replay. Okay, now he fought till his dying breath, except for five minutes where he gets to talk and say goodbye to everyone close to him uh, again. And so it was just kind of, I don't know, I just didn't connect with it. We knew it was coming and I don't i don't think that was executed as well as it could have been necessarily. And so that's what I think part of what drags Crisis down a little bit as an adaptation for this universe. And then as a, an adaptation for DC history as a whole, I don't think it's very good because it's, it's 90 what would you say 90% focused on the, the Arrowverse type stuff and the extra characters are yeah. cool. It's cool to see them. You know, it's cool to see Ezra Miller. I thought that was a pretty cool scene, but all of that stuff is really unimportant to the main story that's going on. Brandon Routh's Superman didn't really have a big impact story-wise. He was there. So Lex could erase him. Uh, Smallville characters were just there mm-hmm. to, I forgot about for no reason. Really. Yeah. They didn't further the story in any way. I mean, Lex was going to, kill off Superman apparently, except Lois and Iris and Clark found both Brandon Routh and Tom Mulling Superman before John Cryer's Lex did. So the monitor just kind of got a bunch of Superman throughout the multiverse killed for no right. reason. Um yeah, all of that stuff I, I literally forgot until <laughs> the last episode that Pariah was in this because he didn't end up actually being important in any way. He wasn't in I don't think he was in part four at all. And he just comes back as well as so he's not Pariah again. So yeah, as a as an adaptation of Crisis, they obviously they had to pick and choose some elements and make it CW heavy. That makes the most sense. But like you said, they could have given maybe a little bit more weight to some of the other DC stuff if they wanted to be like in the true spirit of Crisis, which literally combined absolutely everything that had ever happened in DC history and gave them some pretty heavy weight to a bunch of characters that honestly a bunch of people probably didn't know about or really care about what's weird is i kind of like the changes they did make from crisis in terms of there's still a multiverse and and most of those heroes all still exist i like that that's one change i wanted them to make yeah and just kind of merging earth one earth 38 and earth 73 black lightning's earth it seems like i'm cool with all that i think those were good changes and things that i liked and things that i wanted them to do and still have the multiverse intact um but this i wouldn't say this is 100 satisfied my desire to see a a live action crisis on infinite earth but they still did some cool things there and i just harp on the past heroes i guess john wesley's ship got a cool moment and lucifer's cameo Mm -hmm. was cool he still got a show going on lucifer actually furthered the plot along which is weird lucifer furthered it more than any past actor or anything like that um so i think there was a lot of cool things but yeah yeah, it it is and the only reason i I mentioned that is because mark guggenheim specifically said he wanted it to be crisis on dc earth not crisis on just the cw earth and i think it's much more crisis mm-hmm. on cw earth than all of dc stuff past and, and present and all that yeah 
Oh yeah, which obviously is a lot to ask for the CW. Yeah, I think to part of that is my expectations. That, because this is yeah, it turned out being pretty good for my expectations. What they were when Elseworlds happened, but seeing all the casting and seeing all of that yeah. and all the talk about the guest stars and all of that, I, the fact that most of them didn't really have a meaningful role, um, I had allowed myself to get expectations up to where we would see a lot of cool stuff like that, and that just never came to fruition. But story-wise in 4, you know, we see the origin of the Monitor, the Anti-Monitor. We get that Ezra Miller cameo, which I thought was really good for the most part. He kind of, Ezra kind of over, overreacted a little bit. When, oh no, what does that mean? Was a, that was a bit much, but it was cool to see them acknowledge it, acknowledge their differences and their similarities. I think that's really cool if you're going to have multiple versions of the, the same character. I think you need to acknowledge their similarities and show them having respect for each other while also maybe pointing out some of their unique qualities. Yeah, that was cool. Une- unexpected um just makes me want a flash movie but that's beside the point <laughs> we get all that time in the in the speed force which was kind of weird kind of cool uh, along with that ezra miller stuff like we said all going on there um i thought episode four as a whole was kind of a little bit trying to figure out what was going on he was going into the speed force to pull people out it wasn't always clear what was what was happening or what was going on um meanwhile lex is is doing lex things and manipulating the situation to his advantage uh, everyone was kind of mean to Lex, which they should be because he's horrible. But also when you're down to, what, seven people left and he's the smartest one there yeah. and the only one actually trying to do something along with Ryan Choi when they were working on that stuff, uh, I think you should probably take advantage of him or try to at least and, and keep an eye on him. Yeah, and this is this is where he gives himself powers. And so this is starting to set him up as, like I said, a pretty interesting character well, we saw that a lot of hopefully we get to see in the Superman Small groups TV of hero show. against anti-modern plus shadow demons all well, that that fight same fight kind of happened several times and it kind of yep. i think there was diminishing returns there when you can see ryan Choi, who seems like a really cool guy but if he can just punch out shadow demons they kind of lose their impact to me uh because i don't think he i don't think he's even trained in anything um so that was that kind of had diminishing returns there but yeah oliver sacrifices himself the universe is reborn reborn and kind of merged together as we find out in the fifth episode yeah the, my one other nitpick from the end of this episode is the Paragons, like, they made a really big deal about it, and then it didn't really end up doing anything. Their their big moment is they stand in a line, and you have to watch them, like, thinking about what they're the Paragon of, and somehow that helped. They they could have, like, made some lines come <laughs> out of them or some CGI and some sort of force. Yeah, like, it was kind of just a MacGuffin that but needed to happen, and I think Oliver <laughs> Spector probably could have handled most of it by himself i am kind of bummed we didn't get to see jim corgan as the specter as an old school jerry siegel fan i like to think he just kind of knew the specter would have to die and he temporarily gave oliver queen his powers just because he didn't want to die or whatever you call the specter he's kind of dead already but um but yeah the paragons were just it's kind of just a thing to happen and then it happened and then we moved on yeah, and that, and that episode, I think we ah. didn't mention it, but Superman and Lois are there for a second when we're at last year's yeah, crossover. Uh, like I said, and it was I think really that just is a cameo. The only there. time they're and in this episode again, Bitsy Tolk, yeah. really cool. She does a good job. She's she's good. It's a Lois Lane quality. I like an ability to spit out a bunch of dialogue in a short amount of time without making it sound ridiculous. And she says something there about Barry getting a new suit. Uh, that's something I really like to see in Lois yeah. Lane, and, and Bitsy does a really good job with it. But episode five, we see the Earths have kind of merged. We, it's slowly revealed. They kind of played up as a mystery there, what happens. And Lex Luthor himself has won the Nobel Peace Prize, is running the DEO. He seems to remember the events of Crisis and everything before that, but everybody else except for the Paragons, the ones who are there, do not remember unless 
John Jones came around and, and tapped their forehead. Yeah. So this is the this is the part that makes me think that maybe Lex is not going to be on Superman and Lois, and they're just going to keep him on Supergirl if they're specifically setting up that he runs the place where she works. So uh, there's a chance that he's going to be confined just to Supergirl. That does not make sense. Makes sense. No. That's where he started out. <laughs> no, that would I really mean, it makes me because CW I was sense, I, I was liking say. what they were doing with Lex and <laughs> kind of giving him a fresh start and unlimited story potential for Superman and Lois, a pre-villainous Lex. You could go yeah. the way of having him be a hero uh, or a fake hero, you know, pretending to be a, a hero in his Lexo suit, which has happened before. He has done all kinds of things, and it would give a fresh start where Superman knows he's bad, Lois knows he's bad. At least deep down, they're going to keep an eye on him, but public accounts, you know, you can do whatever. You can have Lex Luthor, the upstanding businessman, while secretly running things, and Lois and Clark can never touch him because he's too good at hiding that stuff. And then you can develop, you could have, you could go the President Lex yeah. route, you could go slowly show him going into villainy and being an outright villain um i thought this was a really cool switch and this lex being so at the end of his career already revealed as a, a villain in prison and all that it gave him kind of a fresh start because once he's a villain and once he's revealed to the world as a bad guy there's only so much you can do story-wise he escapes from prison tries to kill superman goes back that's it um but you can do you can do that but you can also do so much more by giving him a fresh start and the frustrating thing is yeah it looks like it is going to be a Supergirl thing. i hoping that's temporary, a small thing. And I mean, it is Superman's greatest villain, Lex Luthor. He should be in Superman and Lois, uh, the way I look at it. And he's going to be in the next episode of Supergirl, yeah. it looks like. I'm hoping that um, that's just a temporary thing until he is more regularly featured on Superman and Lois. Yeah. And the awesome thing about the like the fresh start that he's been given that you're talking about is that that gives Lois and Clark as reporters a really, really interesting job to do, um, like an ongoing thing of trying to investigate, trying to somehow uncover and like show to the public that this person that they know is bad is bad, even though everybody thinks he's like the best person. So that's that is a perfect like big ongoing yeah, story classic, giving them something classic, interesting like, to do Lex Luthor stuff beginning. where everybody thinks he's this good guy but behind the right. scenes he's doing things to better himself uh so that's really cool does it bring up the question of do Lex and Superman still have history if they never fought and do they know each other how that happens um everything that goes on with that I'm curious about we might have to wait before we find out more on that but Superman does show up there at the the end a little bit they fight the anti-monitor and Superman just kind of appears with some other people and they fight he does not get much to do he kind of he's kind of the joke character he doesn't get anything to do really he gets shrunken down he gets his hand held by or he gets squeezed into anti-monitor's hand the giant anti-monitor and then it shrunk down and it's just kind of a jokey moment yeah i had to rewind it a couple times to see if i missed earlier like superman talking to people or walking in or something but it's it's not there it's just they kind of zoom out from the big group of people going to face the anti-monitor at the end and he's there now so i don't i'm thinking maybe some stuff got cut or no i don't think maybe anything was cut, cut it's just kind of random it was a random group of in. heroes that they assembled there uh getting a lot of the arrow cast which yeah. i don't know what they're going to do again there. but yeah I don't, it, was, it was kind of a weird moment again superman doesn't really get to unleash or do anything cool or or anything like that he's always last to react they specifically make him it's funny when they take off flying to fight the animator he is the last to to fly behind supergirl and john when they start using heat vision supergirl goes yeah. first and then superman follows the lead like they really don't want him to get to do anything cool and step forward as a leader it's frustrating i'm hoping you know they're just gonna say well he'll have several more crossovers where he does get to stand out and 
his own show is coming. Uh, it's really frustrating, but hopefully that's the case going forward. And then there's like perhaps one of the most important throwaway lines, uh, especially for us. Lois calls Clark and says that he needs to get to Metropolis now. It's your boys. And he says, boys. So <laughs> plural child. boys. There is more than one boy, boy had a child, a child, boy child involved, it seems like. <laughs> that is how you Kryptonians <laughs> refer to their children. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a throwaway line at all. It's your boys. This is the only real bit of setup at all for Superman and Lois, it seems like. Uh, so they have two kids, apparently two sons, at least, I guess. Does she say two? Yeah. I could, could be 13 boys. Yeah, I don't th- think that's the case. I don't think they said two. I mean, it could be like 13. <laughs> half Kryptonian children. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? This, that's Bitsy Tolik's only appearance. Yeah. Is she? No, she's she's walking remember, she, She's off screen, screen, isn't she? Call, you need Do to you get to Metropolis. Her, is it? I don't know what's so urgent about him getting back to her Metropolis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. She is just kind of yep. walking down the street, having a good day. Good evening. It seems like he's just flying around. It's weird because they say, you need to get to Metropolis right now. And it's night out. And then the next time we see him, it's daylight. And they're just goofing around the table. Uh, it's not a real big thing. It's a cool little setup. I'm not going to I'm not gonna look into that too heavily. Well, you were paying way too close of attention, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's way too close of details to pay attention to for these kind of shows. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. We can, you want to just talk about that now? Like what could, what are some ideas about yeah, who these sons um, could be? Or like history of it's interesting. Sons. I went back and looked at the different versions of children Superman and or Superman and Lois have had over the years. Uh, there's been some Elseworld stuff, like some John Byrne, Superman and Batman generations. And there've been a lot of alternative, alternative versions of John where he was a son. Uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Jonathan Samuel Kent, the one who was born or we first saw in the first episode of Crisis, I think it's safe to assume that's one of them. He is the the biological child of Clark and Lois. He was introduced in 2015 in the comics big part of the rebirth era superman what's interesting rebirth era superman writer uh patrick gleason an artist he was he said on instagram a while back that lois and clark would have had a daughter if they had continued so i kind of would have liked to have seen that figure out what they were going there but it sounds like sons so i think it's safe to say john is one of them in terms of other ones there's jason white jason lane jason kent from superman returns whatever you want to call him that was referenced in there i don't i don't think they'll call him jason but maybe they will there was a Clark Kent Jr., a Superman Jr. That was part of the original Superman son, Super Sons with Batman Jr. Uh, introduced in 1965. This was kind of like an ambiguous Earth in Flash Forward where they had, he was the biological child of Clark Kent and an unnamed woman that they didn't show, just a dark-haired woman in the background. And the other big one is Lor Zod, a.k.a. Christopher Kent. This was uh, introduced by Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, and Adam Kubert around 2006. In the Superman Last Son storyline, it's the biological child of General Zod and Ursa, who becomes the foster child of Clark and Lois, and he eventually becomes the hero Nightwing, not Nightwing, the Dick Grayson character. You know, the first Nightwing was actually Superman, but uh, we don't need to get into that. Um, Yeah, Lord Zod, if I had to guess, if there was another one that I wanted to see, another son besides Jonathan Samuel Kent, it would probably be Christopher Kent, and I think you could do a lot of cool things with that, having John there, who was raised by Lois and Clark, and then they adopt the child of Zod and Ursa and raise him. I think there's a lot of cool things that you could do with that. Um, do you have a preference on who you would want to see? I, I think I fall right in line with that. I would love to see that, especially because they have their one biological child that they're raising, but then also just because of Clark's history of being adopted and having such amazing parents, like having him have the opportunity to kind of pass that on and become a great adoptive parent to someone again that would be a really cool to see and then like 
obviously that adds a good element of drama and storytelling potential about like ways that you're raising the child your biological child versus raising this adopted child and the, the adopted child's history and all that and we still don't know how what the ages of these kids are going to be either so that will also shape kind of what they're going to do but i think i fall fall in the same camp as you if i would love to see the jonathan samuel yeah, i think it would be great we have Kent, no idea it could be two biological really stories with that um could be two adoptive children but yeah there's a lot you could do with that um if that is the case i hope we get to see i hope the first few episodes are set before crisis where we get to see them actually meet you know the first time they meet lord zod and how they how that happens how that comes about mm-hmm. you know how do you adopt the child of azad and ursa how that comes about i think that's a really compelling story and then seeing them raised together and how they're different you know if if hypothetically if christopher kent was raised for 10 years with zad and ursa in the phantom zone or something like that he would have a very different outlook on life than john kent who if he had been raised by lois and clark and i think that's really interesting how you can handle that and either way i think the fact that they mentioned sons the fact that there will be at least two of them it's telling us that the family drama aspect of this could be, will be a very important part of the show. A very, you know, Lois and Clark and a couple of kids is going to be probably the main point and have a heavy, I mean, just be really important, obviously, to have that many of them, uh, the four of them being main characters, presumably, that will be a heavy part seeing them as parents. It also makes me wonder, Clark didn't seem to know he had boys. He was not a paragon, so he should have been aware of this new reality his whole time. Didn't John Jones change his mind and give him the history, of, you know, give him the mental zap of crisis info? Um, does he know? How does that work? Does that completely overwrite the previous knowledge of the universe? And now he, or does it merge the two? Because he seems surprised to have boys, but Lois didn't. So I'm just curious how they will handle that. I'm hoping Clark has memories of raising his children, if that's the case. The good news is Lois will, and the boys presumably will. I'm hoping Clark does too, and we get to see flashbacks of them as younger kids if they're aged up or in, and that kind of stuff. See, I think I, I I read this a little bit differently than you did. I think to me, what when Lois calls him and says like you need to get here now, it's your boys. I think she's surprised that they have two kids, and that's why he needs to get Metropolis now because they both think that they only have one kid, and maybe she like finally stopped at home and is greeted by her new son that she didn't know that she had, but maybe that's too weird of a story, but it does like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Like you said, of it doesn't really make sense that these should, these characters should like have, have the same kind of knowledge of the world that Marv Wolfman does that, you know, this is just how things have yeah, been and always. We probably won't figure um, out the answer. So, I don't know. The show it's starts, it's but kind of confusing to me. It read like Lois knew that boys was like, Hey, get back to Metropolis. It's your boys. And this also gives a, a built-in excuse for if they want to age up the kids, yeah. you know, if they're 10 years old, well, they were just born 10 years ago in the new timeline. Um, and I prefer that to the rapid aging or anything like that. So yeah, we get to, yeah. I suppose we should finish things up here. There, we get to see there's the Earth Prime that has all the CW shows on it. And there's the other universes out there. I thought this was cool that they were combined. I'm a little, seeing the montage at the end with all the different Earths kind of frustrated me as someone who just wants to see one massive dc universe similar to the comics it's kind of like well earth 12 has earth 12's earth 12 has green lanterns why can't this earth have green lanterns why can't we put swamp thing on this earth and just have all of them together one full universe instead of 74 partial universes so that was a little frustrating for me um but still cool to see people out there see things going well uh we see brandon routh as superman earth 96 and he's got the yellow back 
So does that mean he wouldn't have memories of Crisis, presumably? Does that mean maybe Oliver gave him, if Oliver could do this, somehow there's a re-happy ending where the Joker never gassed the Daily Planet and he actually has a happy ending with Lois and Jason and Perry and Jimmy and all them? Hopefully. That that sounds Uh, very nice. And he looked happy, so that that, that sounds plausible. Smallville Earth did survive, and he said that Rosenbaum, if he had done the cameo, would have been on the Kent farm or in the, a scene with John Cryer, a different scene. Yeah, it tells you how unimportant the cameos are. Yeah, that would have been awesome like, to oh, see. We could but, just fit them in anywhere. Um, yeah. I think Cryer likes could have pulled in right. Rosenbaum likes to help defeat Welling Clark. Gosh, that's getting confusing to talk about. But I don't think Cryer likes would care too much to to see another likes get his day. So that's fine. I, I do wonder how Cameron Cuff would have fit in because there was talks of him getting a, a thing but nothing like that. And I wished we would have seen some Krypton characters and see Krypton pulled into this earth and, and all that, but it doesn't look like that's the case, although it still could happen. Any other thoughts? What about your the ending here where we yeah. get the, the team assembled, the proto-Hall of Justice type thing, and Gleek has escaped all of that at the end there? Is Gleek going to come back? Is he the next big bad? Is he going to get in league with Gorilla Zod? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. This was fun. This is it's nice. Again, uh, another one final like tribute to Oliver. He's got the the eternal flame in his suit, and he's got the empty chair at the table. Um, yeah, it's cool to see them all happy together, especially now that they're all on the same Earth. I it does raise questions of like storytelling going forward when really big things happen. You now have to deal with the fact that everybody is on the same Earth. Why don't you just ask Flash to zip over or Supergirl to flash up? To come over so yeah that but that's always kind of been a problem that much I mean, you, you so like, not a huge well deal. you could have handled this another way but i, I i'm willing to work with it yeah. they're all have their own problems and big bads at the same time unless it's december and then they need to team up to fight whatever is going on <laughs> also we didn't mention it but they brought bebo uh, back I yeah hate the, bebo. you could tell think, the last can this like just be the last time please <laughs> the number of times they mentioned across the number of meta jokes they made it was just very much a legends episode for good and for bad yeah but uh, a couple other things about the new timeline. Uh, the, the president, who is Lana Lang's stepmom from Smallville, asked uh, or mentioned that Oliver Queen was known as the first of our heroes. Um, it doesn't really make sense in any continuity. You could say it's some timeline shenanigans, but Superman's been active since 2003, unless they retcon that. Black Lightning was probably active before that, because remember, he was a hero back in the day and then returned at the start of his series. Wildcat existed in universe in Arrow and was a vigilante before green arrow and the entire justice society of america appeared in the 1940s on legends of tomorrow so that doesn't make a ton of sense i think it's just a meta reference where they're trying to acknowledge oliver even if it doesn't make sense with within this universe unless they're drastically changing it yeah there is a lot of meta fourth wall sort of stuff and that's just i think that's what this was is arrow was the first show in this new argo is back so he was literally the first of the heroes. I said I was fine with it being gone, but maybe Erica Durant's going to appear some more. Yeah. That's the that's the the good news of it. But 4.5 billion Kryptonians being out there is seems wild and dangerous and makes each one less interesting. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the multiverse is still available. I'm assuming Brandon Routh would be game for a crossover down the line. I don't know if they'll be allowed to do that or anything like that, but I'm glad it's still out there. We could meet Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher or... Gerard Christopher, I'm glad that stuff's all available. You know, not something you would expect to see early in season one of Superman and Lois, but I mean, if you told me I could have another crossover like Crisis with Superman in it, or just Superman teaming up with Brandon Routh or John Hames Newton, 
uh, I would choose the latter. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the thing that this crossover for what like it was not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It was a very good, a pretty good crossover. Um, but Superman wise, pretty light. Not a lot of great things came out of it. But it gets me very excited for next year's crossover and the crossover after that, where Superman has his own TV show. Presumably, there would be an episode of the crossover that is a Superman and Lois episode. And because the multiverse still exists, like you said, on his show, they can bring in some of these other Superman universe characters from other Earths, bring Tom Welling back again, bring Erica Durance back again as Lois. Um, so the fact that those doors are still open is very exciting. And the fact that we'll get to see more Superman heavy. And they haven't mentioned if they're going to do another big crossover like this again next year. I think they will because there's, I mean, too much value in it for the CW. There's been an argument made maybe a year or two of smaller crossovers where it's just two shows teaming up or something like that. I could see them doing that and that could work. But I think eventually they're going to get back to these crossovers, these big crossovers, whether it's next year or down the line. But with the way they left the multiverse intact, I'm hoping it's kind of the opposite way of the comics where in the comics there was all these team-ups between the different Earths and that led up to Crisis where there was just one Earth. Now that they've introduced it, everybody's aware of the multiverse, now we can, now that Crisis has happened, now we can have the the team-ups and the crossovers and there's some really cool Superman storylines where they team up and Lex's team up and that kind of stuff that could be really fun and you could do a lot of great stuff with. So overall... I think it's a pretty good crossover, like you said. Not great Superman stuff. Uh, not a ton of hints for where Superman and Lois is going besides the boys' comment. And not a lot of great things for Superman to do. But there's some good stuff in there. Some fun stuff. And that is the end of that. And I am looking forward to Superman and Lois. Yeah, this the the small amount of Superman and Lois in this crossover just gets me uh, hungry for more of them. Their Their chemistry is awesome. And I think... They're going to tell some pretty interesting, unique stories, especially with them as reporters and as a family. Uh, it's weird. Most you of think all. you would so, treat the characters yeah, the same I'm, I'm still very have a show or not. Very much looking forward to matter, this show. But it is weird how I, I, and I'm not alone in this. I've seen a lot of other similar sentiments. Uh, there was just not much for them to do. And I don't think they were treated with a ton of respect in general have been for the most part. I'm pleased with Lois Lane in this. Uh, I thought she got some good stuff to do. And Bitsy Tulloch was great, but not a ton of Superman stuff. I don't know if he did much useful, but again, hopefully down the line, that is something that is corrected. Uh, we didn't even mention that in Crisis Aftermath, after episode three, they referred to Tyler Hecklin Superman as other Superman. There's there's the, the memoriam that just said other Superman. And that's the kind of disrespect that I don't really like. Like, really, the CW? Coming next fall, only on the CW, other Superman. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's disrespectful, and I don't think they've treated him well, but hopefully this is the end of yeah. that. Uh, I don't think it will be, but hopefully this is the end of it, at least once the show starts. Next time, we'll probably be talking casting news. There's a good chance casting is going to yeah. start coming out in the next couple weeks. And we're also going to take a, take a look at Superman, Lois, and Clark. This is an eight-issue series, miniseries from 2015 it started, where it shows the introduction of Lois and Clark as parents with John Kent. So we're going to look at that and how that might inform the show going forward. So if you want to read along with us, you can do that or... We will give a recap on the next episode. So thanks for listening, and remember that hope is the light that lifts us out of darkness.